This is the NOAA Ocean Podcast. I'm Troy Kitch. It's impossible to miss the impacts of sea level rise in many coastal places around the nation. Take Charleston, South Carolina. In 2020, this coastal city experienced a record 14 days of sunny day flooding. That's what many people call these type of days when there are no storms, no rain, no strong coastal wind, nothing special. But low-lying areas along the coast are flooding. This type of minor coastal flooding is so common around the world, you could say it's become the new normal. And that's how things are today. But what about 10, 20, 30 years from now? What can we expect in the coming decades for places like Charleston or for the coastal place where you live? In this episode, we're going to talk about a report released in 2022 that provides some startling insights on what the future holds. It's called the Sea Level Rise Technical Report, and it provides sea level rise projections for all U.S. states and territories out to the year 2150. Here are two things from the report you need to know up front. Over the next 30 years, we can expect the same amount of sea level rise that we experienced over the past 100 years. So sea level rise is accelerating. And for coastal flooding, we can expect more of that too, with an increase in frequency of flooding events that cause damage. But that's not all. So to dig deeper into the report, we have two members of the Federal Sea Level Rise Task Force joining us. Mark Osler, NOAA's Senior Advisor for Coastal Inundation and Resilience, and William Sweet, an oceanographer and scientist with the National Ocean Service, who is an expert in sea level rise and is the lead author of the new report. Mark, let's start with you. This report is a product of the Federal Sea Level Rise Task Force. Can you provide us some context about the task force and how this report fits into the big picture? This is a cross-agency science team that was convened by the White House in 2015 in recognition of the need and increasing demand for authoritative, consistent, and accessible science around sea level rise and the associated hazards that sea level rise brings to our coast. There are many different parts of the federal government that work on issues of sea level rise, and this task force was brought together to help coordinate and develop the necessary science uh, through sustained coordination and participation of key agencies. All of this towards the goal of incorporating sea level rise information into agency-based tools that are user-friendly, things like maps and visualizations and analysis tools that can actually help decision makers on the ground, whether it's an engineer or a planner or a state hazard mitigation officer, to help get this science refined and in a usable format to support decision-making. So the task force pulls together all that we know about sea level rise and sort of boils it down and makes it easy to understand? Sea level rise science is advanced through publications and scientific journals and research documents. It takes a high degree of expertise to actually distill all that research down into an aggregate statement on most likely outcomes, something authoritative where the government says this is actually our best understanding of how this process of sea level rise is changing. And so at its highest level, the group's purpose is to do that, to be a a group that can digest with their own expertise all of the state of the science, all the cutting-edge research, and say, okay, well, what does this mean today in terms of the future conditions at our coast for sea level rise under different scenarios? 
the last sea level rise technical report came out in 2017. So, William, there's generally an updated report every five years or so? About a five-year interval, which largely reflects the updates in science and observations and models, pulling from the very best on the international scale, usually following as best possible the cadence of the International Governmental Panel on Climate Change's release of their report. So we put it out on about a four to five year cycle to capture new information, the data, the science and the models and translate that for the needs of the United States. So what are the projections for sea levels in the U.S. for the coming decades? The United States Sea Level Rise Task Force is projecting that sea levels along the United States coastline will rise somewhere between 10 and 12 inches in the next 30 years or by 2050 relative to those today. The basis for this are the models themselves, which come from the sixth assessment of the International Governmental Panel on Climate Change, as well as the regional sets of observations that we have along the United States coastline. Together, the two of them both point to a rise along the coastline. As I was reading through the report, it's very clear that the rise along the coastline won't be the same everywhere. It's not like water rising uniformly in a bathtub. So there are different rates of sea level rise from place to place. Why is that? There's three particular reasons. One, it's really about what is that change doing relative to land? So the relative sea level component, how is land changing? Is it sinking or is it rebounding like it is in Alaska? Over most of the lower 48 states, land is sinking to some degree for both natural and unnatural reasons. There's two other reasons why the ocean is not rising like it would in a bathtub. Changes in ocean circulation. The Gulf Stream, for instance, it fluctuates in speed. And when it does, it causes sea levels to vary along the United States coastline. All the models suggest that the Gulf Stream system will slow down in a warming world. And if so, it's going to cause more or less permanent changes along the East Coast, higher than global. The other factor is where ice melts matters, where we have these tremendous amounts of ice locked up on land, for instance, in Greenland and Antarctica. And when these large ice sheets lose mass, it affects the gravity and rotation of the actual Earth itself. So typically what has happened through time and what is projected to happen is Greenland and Antarctica, they lose ice mass that contributes to global rise. The water near these sources will actually decrease some as the gravitational tug decreases. But far away from these sources of ice, you'll have additional amounts of rise. And so it's the summation of those three factors which will cause the ocean to rise at different rates. But overall, we can expect more damaging coastal flooding on average in the future. What we find is that the frequency of minor flooding is likely to be exceeded by that of moderate flooding in 30 years. And so what this means is moderate flooding that today typically is associated with the damaging amounts of water levels in the streets affecting businesses or personal property. You know, there's been instances just recently where we've had not too big of storms causing very big damages around the country of, of water levels that are just exceeding 
hurricane height storm surges that occurred 30, 40, 50 years ago. We are able to project that if adaptive measures aren't taken, risk reduction, our current footprint is going to be at greater risk. Mark, one thing that is striking about the report is how specific it is. We're specifically telling you with a fair degree of certainty, this is how it will change in detail by location. We are able to look at those statements of future conditions and plan and adapt. And so the hope is that this information is indeed sobering, but is also empowering and becomes the basis for action. That it is not a poorly defined statement that the future may be less nice than the present. This report is telling you this is where the coastal water levels will be on average. This is how the extremes are changing. And so you can take that to the bank for the next coming decades, which is critical to financial planning, urban planning. All sorts of insurance and risk transfer implications can rely on this data in a way that is much more specific than we are able to produce for many other aspects of our changing climate. William, we've talked about increases in minor and moderate flooding due to sea level rise. Can you talk about the differences between minor, moderate, and major coastal flooding? Coastal flooding that we've been monitoring due to increases of sea level rise, we're calling this high tide flooding, are becoming much more common now than they used to be. And so we have elevations on land that the Weather Service, in partnership with local emergency managers, have established through years of impact monitoring. And they've made these elevation thresholds for three severity levels, minor, moderate, and major. Minor flooding typically is mostly disruptive, causes a delay or a deviation in your path to work, whether you're walking or driving. But moderate flooding and major flooding more often cause damaging impacts or can be destructive. And when these are likely to occur, the Weather Service issues coastal flood warnings for a significant risk to property and life. As more people move to the coast and sea levels continue to rise, that risk is really growing and it's growing rapidly. I'd like to talk about this risk in coming years. We're now in the midst of accelerating sea level rise around the world, and the report points to what we can expect in the next three decades. But what can we expect beyond that? Over the last several years, we have witnessed the impacts of sea level rise occurring now. Flooding of streets when it's sunny outside. More times than not, there's no localized storm and there's water coming out of stormwater systems onto the streets, getting up towards people's property, getting up towards people's businesses. And that's sea level rise, plain and simple. And so I think the sense of urgency, I believe, is there. Folks know what sea level rise looks like. It's an increased frequency of these kind of events that used to be in response to a big storm. And it made sense. You were flooding because there was a storm. But now we are flooding more often than not when there's no storm in sight. And so what this report does is it says there's to be more of that. That is to be expected. And by how much are these flood frequencies likely to change is largely due to the amount of sea level rise that occurs. And that amount of future sea level rise is very much related to the amount of future emissions that we pump into the atmosphere. Not so much over the next 30 years. That's pretty much baked into the system at this point. And so that's why we have very good guidance as to what we expect to happen in the next 30 years. But beyond that, 
it's collectively in our hands as to how much sea levels are potentially going to rise. More emissions equals more heating equals more ice melt equals more thermal expansion equals higher sea levels equals more flooding. And that we are trying to put into context for the United States as to what to expect now, a few decades from now, and potentially what could happen by the end of century and beyond. Does this report provide data for all coastal areas of the U.S.? This new report provides scenarios for every region of the U.S. What we have been able to do is downscale the climate models uh, and information extracted from them at a one degree resolution along all United States coastlines. We have almost done the same thing with the variability part, the extreme water levels as we're calling them, the effects of high tides and typical storms or the winds blowing, whether it's from a hurricane or just a 20 knot wind that people go sailing. And we are able to provide those two sets of information at almost every coastline along the United States so that whether you're a big city, a small city, or somewhere in between, have the information that is based upon the best science and the latest observations to plan and prepare for what the future may hold. So the report covers sea level rise scenarios for all locations and covers most locations for scenarios that involve variability when there are storms or winds or extra high tides. When reading through the report, it jumped out at me how much more of the U.S. is covered compared to the technical report that came out around five years ago. Mark, why is there now an effort to cover ultimately all of the U.S. coastline? So understanding why we have gaps in our current coverage, to me, helps to understand why is the federal government in the business of measuring coastal water levels at all? And why have we been doing this in some cases for over 100 years? And the answer to that briefly is to support safe marine transportation, navigation, and commerce at our coasts and into our inland waterways. Uh, That's the original reason that the federal government has been measuring water levels. And so what we have is a natural kind of clustering of scientific focus on the population centers of the United States. And that's right and proper. Uh, We don't have large port systems in rural areas. And so we have typically not needed to have as rich a data set in those areas. Climate change is turning that paradigm on its head where we understand that our ability to measure, model, and predict how our environment is changing is relevant to every community, every citizen of the country, no matter whether they live in a in an urban area or a rural area, whether it's an East Coast or West Coast state, whether it's a U.S. territory or in Alaska or anywhere else. And so for the sea level rise data, we have the same Uh, effect that if you were to do a a close survey of where sea level rise projections have been available in the past, they are typically focused on the U.S. population centers and efforts to interpret and expand our ability to make skillful statements around sea level rise in areas outside of those population centers. This report and the advances of science that this report represents really makes good on a promise to deliver climate change information to every part of the United States, including the territories, in a way that really hadn't been 
possible before and hadn't uh, been a focus in the same way that it is today. William, I'll leave the last word with you. You've been working on this report for years. What's the one thing you'd like us to take away from it? And I've grown up near the water uh, for a large part of my life, and I currently live near the water, and I see the changes firsthand. So it's real. I'm not just a scientist. I'm a citizen of a coastal community. And what the data is telling us is that sea levels are rising and we're starting to flood more often. And that is the pattern and the telltales are all pointing to more. And I want us to be ready. I want my kids to live in an area that is still on the water, that still enjoys the benefits of being along the water and the joys that come with it. And I want it to be accessible to them and others. And we just need to recognize that change is at hand and that we need to plan and prepare for the future. Be sure to check our show notes for links to the full technical report and an overview we've prepared to walk you through the key takeaways. You've been listening to the NOAA Ocean Podcast, and we'll be back next month.